Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining me for this episode is co-host Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at WillMilesSEC and his site, readandreaction.com. Will, you noticed it right away. People watching this on YouTube, hey, new look. Yeah, you got the blue background. Everybody needs to come needs to come check it out, see what you got going on here. But uh, you know, gotta change it up every once in a while. Otherwise, we never know whether it's you know 2019, 2020, or 2021, <laughs> especially since we're not allowed to leave the house. Though that seems to be that seems to be subsiding. So hopefully we'll all get out. And I, I gotta be honest, I had a conversation today about which games I want to come down to Gainesville for. And uh, I have well, never wanted no, to have number, that conversation. Number one is easy. Number one is easy. <laughs> it is. But I have never wanted to have that conversation worse in my entire life and to actually think about it and think about the fact that, you know, they're talking about having full stadiums in Gainesville and Tuscaloosa and all through the SEC. Um, that's exciting given the year that we just had and and everything that everybody in the country has gone through. So, um, you know, college football is one of those things where you sort of remember where you were based on what's going on in the season. Last year was unique. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Hopefully 2021 has some of that in store for us as well yeah shout out to the youtube chat they they noticed the look right away as well so uh quentin lee matthew hutchins everybody thank you much uh yeah so you know that's what that's where the tv background comes in comes in play will <laughs> well unfortunately i've got a face for radio so you know you gotta you gotta make the graphics you gotta make the graphics pop so people are looking at other things yeah yes all right will uh first scrimmage of the spring for the gators a lot of a lot of news and notes coming out uh late friday over the weekend and uh looks like the defense uh, we'll get into it but it looks like the defense got the better of the offense in the first scrimmage yeah i mean but i i I think we probably should expect that. Well, so first, I think we should preface it by saying that everything that comes out of spring camp is a lie. We've learned that. We've learned that over the last like three or four years. You know, I mean, like like Spurrier said, preseason was talking season. Spring is lying season. Yeah, I mean, you know, twenty seventeen, Felipe Franks looked great. The offensive line was fantastic, and and then the season came, and we were we were in trouble six minutes in against Michigan. Um, So that's the first thing I'd preface it with. The other thing is, is that you've got the offense and the defense going against each other. And so if one guy looks good on defense, inevitably that means the guy on offense looks bad or vice versa. And so whether or not you're going to be able to really take anything away, I think we, I think I mentioned this last week or two weeks ago that the thing I'm looking for in the spring is, is there somebody who's flashing, right? Is there somebody who you look at and say, wow, that's different. You know, David Wonderlook actually tweeted about that today. That Kadarius Tony's a guy who looked like that. Um, he said Desmond Watson has been somebody that he's seen mm-hmm. who, who looks like that this spring. And so those are the things I think you look at and say, that guy can make an immediate difference and is somebody that I'm looking forward to seeing in, in the fall. And that's really what we're looking for when we're looking at these news and notes. I mean, you, know, you maybe can glean a little bit from it, but I think for the most part, it's, you know, either if you, if you have biases one way, and and news comes out, you're like, okay, that supports my biases. And if you have biases the other way, and the news comes out, you're like, all right, well, that supports my biases too. Because at the end of the day, I think um, to expect Florida to have a complete team at this point with all the youth, with all the turnover, and then with the fact that this is their first spring practice in two years, I think it's probably a little bit much. But uh, you know, that doesn't mean the team won't be good. It just means that it's the first couple of weeks of practice, and hopefully, they're making mistakes. Because if they're making mistakes now, they'll learn from them, and they won't make them in the fall. And and that's what the spring springtime is for. 
Absolutely, absolutely. We'll get into all that. I'll expand on uh, Will Stalt right there. But before we do, remember you can find Gators Breakdown at news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the episodes there as well as News 4 Jacks coverage of the Gators. A lot of you right now watching live on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you're watching live or if you're watching after we post it. It'll really help us out here on Gators Breakdown. Also, find us on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. So also, Will, I think it's probably important to point out that, uh, look, we're not allowed to be there <laughs> in person. We're not allowed to there. We're not allowed there to watch. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, have heard most of what uh, we're about to discuss from multiple sides. Now, take of that what you will. Uh, you know, it, it is it is it is hearsay. It is what people are behind the scenes of what I've dug around to find and what other colleagues have dug around to find as well. And then you would kind of just discuss and, and take it from there. Um, so make of it what you will. You know, this spring might be a no win, uh, as kind of Will was saying, for, for a lot of people uh, out there right now. Look, as bad as the defense was last season, if the offense struggles, many would take that as the defense still being bad, and now the offense is falling back because they can't take advantage of a bad defense. Or um, they want that trust that the, the – they, they won't trust that the defense is all that good because of all the changes uh, going on on offense. So it's uh, kind of a catch-22. Uh, I guess you would say for uh, spring practice, if the, if the offense does good, where well, the defense still stinks. If the defense does good, where well, the offense is going through some transition, and that's what you expect. So the spring will uh, might be judged pretty harsh uh, based on that, all, all that. But scrimmages just in general are different. Mullen told us today uh, in, in his press conference uh, they limited the quarterbacks to do certain things. Uh, they put them in certain situations to see how they react, and that goes for the whole team as well. A lot of situational football in these scrimmages, and, and the coaches put them in spots to work on what they have trouble with. You know, these aren't just go out there and what you do well. That time will come, but you know, this is a time to get better, and that comes by focusing on aspects that need the most work. Will you don't go out there and just do the things that you know you can do well? Uh, you got to expand the playbook. You got to get better in certain areas, and that's what these scrimmages are for. Yeah, I mean, I think fall is when you start focusing on the things that you do well, right? That's yeah. that's where the coaches have had an opportunity to look at these spring scrimmages, to look at the tape, to look at the the reps and say, okay, what are we going to be able to do? Are we going to be able to have a seven-step drop? No, our right tackle struggles. Okay, well, then we need to do some things to to work around that. But certainly in the spring, you got to let him block for, you know, a seven-man drop if that, if that – or a seven-step drop if that happens to be a place where he's weak. Same thing with a quarterback, right? If he's struggling with touch on the ball, okay, we're going to need to make him throw that ball see if he can get better see if he can figure out a way to get the ball in there and then if he can't then in the fall we're not going to make that call when it comes you know third and three against lsu you're not going to have a deep crossing route that he's got to put good touch on the ball so um you know but you, it, it's one of those things where you just got to see what you have right you gotta you gotta push these guys you gotta stretch them you gotta see how much they can handle both from a physical standpoint but also a mental standpoint as well right the the install having see whether the quarterback can process all the information you're giving him. And that way, you know how much you can install in a given week when it comes to this, when it comes to the fall, because every quarterback is going to be a little bit different. I think I suspect that if you look back at Kyle Trask, that he was somebody who could process an awful lot when you installed a game plan. Is Emory Jones going to be the same way? I have no idea. He might be, he might be able to process more. We just don't know that. And I'm not sure that I'm not sure that Dan Mullen knows that about Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson just yet, which means he's going to push them and he's going to ask him to do things that, like you said, they're uncomfortable doing um, with a purpose. And, you know, we said this sort of coming into the spring is I'm not sure. I'm not real worried about the offense. I think mm -hmm. Dan Mullen's going to find a way to score points. Um, it's going to be different. I don't think it'll be the exact. I mean, it clearly won't be the exact same offense as last year. There will probably be things that they're limited doing that they could do last year. They can't do this year. And there will be things that they're better at doing this year than they were last year. And, you know, that's what happens every year in college football because there's so much turnover. And Florida just happens to be experiencing an awful lot of turnover. And then, you know, coming off of the three losses, I think everybody is maybe a little bit more on edge than they would be had they had they pulled out the game against LSU or had they put up a better fight against Oklahoma. You know, but it is what it is. You got those three losses coming into the offseason. And so I think people are a little bit jumpy. But at the end of the day, again, I, I hesitate to take too much from the spring game. You know, a couple of years ago, Trask threw a pick six to, to Huggins in, in the spring game. And, and the only thing that I really got out of that game was that Kyle Tra or Kyle Pitts flashed, right? He was the guy when I, all right, he's, he's, he's pretty good. Um, 
know, those are the things I think we want to be looking for, especially in the spring and the things the coaches are looking for. I know there's been quite a bit of discussion about uh, Nick Elksness flashing mm-hmm. a tight end. And so, you know, with the with the departure of Eric Gilbert, that becomes more important to have one of those true freshmen step in and at least be able to take snaps. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll start at the top with quarterback. Defense won the day. We'll start at quarterback, then transition to defense, and then we'll go through just a little bit of quick nuggets from there on out, uh, kind of finishing up with the offense again. But first, several series, Will. Emory Jones led the offense. Offense did not get a first down, having trouble get past his first read is what was said about Emory. Uh, showed little touch, oftentimes threw too hard, inaccurate most of the time. Not a good day for the quarterbacks in general, at least a few interceptions by note. Um, not a you know not a great offensive day all in all. One interception was returned for a long touchdown by Lloyd Summerall. Uh, turned it on a little bit in the second half. The offense did. Uh, Emory Jones threw touchdowns to uh, Jacob Copeland, Kamoy Gamble. Um, Anthony Richardson somewhere along the way also had a touchdown run at some point. So uh, there we go. Offensive line, Will. You might have depended on some of that, but it was Richard Garage at left tackle. Ethan White at left guard, Stuart Reese at center, Josh Braun right guard, and right tackle Gene Delans. That was the first set. You know they're going to shuffle it around in a spring uh, or in, in a spring scrimmage. So that's just the initial uh, that was put out there. You know, heard they just were not very good. Could not run between the tackles. Of the offense appeared to you know, it appears right now. We well, we said this last week going in. You could look at a lot of the one-on-one drills that they were kind of putting out there on Instagram Live and all that kind of stuff. You could already tell the defensive line was pretty much ahead of the offensive line. That continued into the uh, scrimmage as well. No surprise. Uh, and look, no surprise also once you start identifying who's playing offensive line, who's playing defensive line, the matchups there. But all in all, still not a good day for the offensive line. So, look, I think take all that into account when looking at the quarterback play. Historically, Mullen throws a lot of his a lot at his quarterbacks early on in spring, especially in these scrimmages to see what they can handle. As we've said, you know, I, I doubt many design runs were called will um, for for the quarterbacks in this situation with an offensive line in transition. It's going to be tough for these quarterbacks early on. Uh, but the biggest takeaway will probably you know the lack of touch, the inaccuracy coming from Emory Jones. Uh, I think that's what we've seen a bit in his limited action, and it was probably the biggest takeaway out of this scrimmage, not getting past his first read. Look, that can come from a, a couple places. Not being comfortable in the offense in a lot of situations. You know, we don't, we've ha, has not been out there passing the ball time and time again in, in games in the last couple of years. Uh, but you hope that's not the case. You've know, got, got a lot of experience in this offense. You know, he should have a grasp of the offense as long as he's been here. So hopefully that's not the case. But look, and, and or, you know, the offensive line not giving the best protection and Emory just not being comfortable in general. And that leading to to not, you know, trusting his time that he has to throw, not getting past his first read, not setting his feet. And his mechanics go wrong from there. You know, without seeing, we, ju- we, we just don't know. I'm just bringing up scenarios here. Uh, Mullen said today in his press conference, you know, Emory putting touch on passes comes with experience. The more he reads defenses and the more he has to make throws, as you kind of go, as you were kind of alluded to earlier, Will, the more he's asked to make these throws in these certain situations, you know, the better he'll get. So uh, there are a lot of throws Emory can make that Trask couldn't, uh, Dan Mullen brought up. So that will allow him to do some different things. And Mullen went on to extend that, that Kyle Trask was more accurate, but Emory can throw it deeper throws well on the run, they'll adjust and build around the strengths of Emory, most like they did Kyle. So, well, I think, you know, taking all that into account, you know, without being there, we hear about the struggles of the offensive line. To me, it's kind of symbiotic and probably expected that if Emory Jones is going to struggle, and this is me just pure guessing here, you know, it probably isn't all on him. No, I mean, so I think – you know, obviously, I'm a big proponent of going back to high school stats. And if if Emory Jones had completed 54 percent of his throws and it had been like nine yards an attempt, I'd be like, okay, we need to be worried because he doesn't necessarily have a track record of being accurate. But his senior year completed 62 percent of his passes, 13.3 yards per attempt. So we're not talking about we're talking about a guy who went downfield, and we're talking about when he went downfield, he was effective. Now he only had 144 attempts that year in 12 games, so it's 12 times a game. So they didn't throw very much. So from the standpoint of like a guy having a lot of reps and being and having like fantastic touch on the ball yeah i can see why why that might be an issue right i mean and one of the reasons why dan mullen hasn't had him throw very much when he's been out there is is likely that he's still developing as a passer and that's something that we're going to see 
Um, as far as the offensive line is concerned, I, I think it is important to remember the Cotton Bowl is December 30th, mm-hmm. and they didn't have any bowl practices. And if you remember how much better the offensive line was last year between the end of the regular season and the bowl game against Virginia, now certainly Virginia probably had something to do with that, but we saw improvement over the course of all of those bowl practices, bowl practices heading into the bowl game. You know, This year, obviously, the offensive line took a little bit of a step back. Part of that was because White got hurt real early in camp and then was never really back and they were shuffling the offensive line to begin with. So I, I think you look at this and say, who can benefit the most from a Nick Savage offseason and a long Nick Savage offseason? It's probably the offensive line, right? So if they weren't if they weren't knocking people back in December, I don't know why we would expect them to be knocking, <laughs> knocking guys back in February. They haven't had any chance to get in the weight room to get stronger. The only thing they're doing is essentially working on technique and leverage, and there's only so much that can do, right? At some point, you just got to be bigger and stronger than the guy across from you. So um, it would probably be more disturbing to me if the defensive line wasn't playing very well. Mm-hmm. Because if the defensive line was getting dominated by the offensive line, I think that would say a lot more about what's going on than having the offensive line struggling to, to open up holes. They struggled to open up holes last year. It's likely not a technique thing. It's going to require an offseason where those guys get in the weight room and, and get bigger and stronger and faster. And, and, and then you come out in the fall and they're bigger and stronger and they start being able to execute their technique and the offensive line is going to get better. So this is one of those, particularly if you, you know, one of the things we said coming into the pandemic or coming, you know, coming into the season with the pandemic is that the strength and conditioning was going to be an issue. And I think we saw that, especially in the fourth quarter for Florida, just not being able to pull away. And with the offensive line this year, I think we're going to see, see that that's important. And, um, you know, you, you go back to the, to the Emory part of things. And, and I think we just need to, need to calm down. He's a different quarterback, right? And and every and we got spoiled last year with Kyle Trask. I mean, mm-hmm. when he missed Justin Shorter in the SEC championship game against Alabama, I was I was like surprised. Right? You're sitting there going, oh my God, he missed one. And and you know, he'd hit Tony right down the sideline earlier in the game. And you know, he was basically pinpoint the entire time. And when he missed a guy deep, it was really surprising. I think we're gonna have to get used to the fact that not every quarterback puts it right on his receiver's hands 40 yards downfield every time. That's okay because what Emory is going to do is he's going to make the defense make some really tough choices at the line of scrimmage with all of the run pass options, all of the read read options, all the different things he's going to be able to do that are going to give him one on one coverage on little slants that are wide open, right? And when when you get to what you know you mentioned earlier, the quarterbacks doing things that fit them, picking the things that they do well, that's what's going to happen. Is in the fall, Mullen's just going to say, okay, these are our base sets that we think Emory executes well, or that his skill set makes the defense makes some hard choices and we're going to let him execute that and I, I think things will be I think things will be a lot more crisp once once that starts occurring well I kind of go back to Mullins early early in his career uh, here at Florida we know in 2018 what the offense ended up being but remember beginning of that year where Felipe Franks was throwing the ball just all the time and you know I think he was the first game of the First game of Dan Mullen, the head coaching team, I think Franks had thrown for six touchdowns or something. It was just going out there and like, we're going to let him go out there and, 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 and work on what we need him to work on. We know we're going to beat this team by 50 points. That's you know, exactly what they did. Go out there and just throw the ball and, and work on some things. And so what we saw, and look, they probably carried that over into the Kentucky game as well, throwing the ball a little bit too much for uh, that, that first loss of the season. But you could tell early on that they were just trying to get some confidence in Franks, letting them throw the ball as the season went on more of a run-focused offense. I think that's kind of maybe a timeline for spring, too. Open it up, see what Emory Jones can do with his arm. Then as you know, late spring, going into fall, you, know, you build your offense and the focus being more of, uh, of the run game there. Well, and Anthony Richardson, too. I mean, the, the reality is is that you, if nothing else, you need Richardson to be ready as a backup because if you're going to have a quarterback who's running all the time, there's a shot that he's going to get injured, right? We saw it with Franks in, in 2019 is that, you know, the reality is is that when you're running, you might get rolled up on, you know, hopefully not a broken bone like Franks, but, you know, if you get a high ankle sprain and all of a sudden you can't run, then maybe Richardson's in there as the backup. So you got to know what he can do as well. Same thing with Del Rio, right? You got to – you just – that's the reality is all these guys need reps and you need, and some of them might do some things better than others. And you need to know what those are, because if all you do is run the stuff that Emory does really, really well right now in camp, then what do you do when Emory gets hurt? And all of a sudden you have to shift your game plan. You can't. 
and that's one of the things I think, again, I think we should go back and give Mullen credit for is that in 2019, when Franks went down, that was a run heavy team in 2019, the minute Franks went down and then Trask came in and it was immediately a pass happy team. I mean, you think about that Kentucky game, Trask mm-hmm. was throwing the ball all over the place. Now, part of it was out of necessity because Florida was behind. But from that point on, Florida was a pass happy team, which makes me think that they used their time in spring practice to understand what each guy did well and know what they were going to have to do if they had him in the game because it, it just flipped immediately, right? Mm-hmm. And the only way you can do that is if you know that Trask does this, this, and this well compared to Franks, who does this, this, and this well. And, you know, their evaluation was Franks gave the team a little bit better opportunity to win, but, uh, you know, but Trask was certainly capable of getting them a win because they were willing to make those changes. Uh, so there's where the quarterbacks go, of course, that I think you kind of may, maybe just have to start there. It's always the headline, but probably the biggest takeaway overall, Will, and coming out of that was the defense took today. Now, was a, that was the takeaway uh, from the first scrimmage. And, Will, it sounds like something we discussed last week is taking shape early on. We mentioned last week, Ventro Miller not taking part in spring right now, opening the door for other linebackers to get more reps. Sounds like they're taking a step forward with those available reps. Tyron Hopper, Derek Wingo flying around, making plays in the scrimmage. Hopper with a pick, almost had another one as well. Wingo was out there making a lot of tackles. Well, maybe in, in piecing some things together here, the defensive line played well, as we mentioned before, as the, you know they're just a mismatch right now up front. Maybe that filters to the linebackers for some better plays we mentioned before. Uh, also told a good performance from Gervin Dexter, Desmond Watson again. Entire defensive line disruptive all night was the word there. And Will just told the, the overall effort was better uh, on defense. Early focus on competition and, and aggression is paying off so far. And as I brought up last week, just as a joke before we kind of signed off, the three T's, technique, tackling, turnovers, all showed up in the scrimmage. Um for, you know, for the for, you know for coming in early, all this good all this good talk of being turned around in a new defense all starts. I think you know with the basics there, what Florida had to get back to, and technique tackling turnovers all showed up in the first scrimmage. Sounds like the linebackers are off to a nice start. Young players, Kamar Wilcox and Donovan McMillan, Jason Marshall making impressions early on, while Trey Dean, Rashad Torrance getting the starts at safety. Uh, Jordan Young had an interception. So, you know, defenses have a tendency to be ahead early on. But, well, I'll admit it, it is nice to hear this, especially after the, the disconnect last year, uh, that the basics seem to be improving. There's young players out there making a difference early on. Take of it what you will, of course. You know, we, we can all, all we can do right now is discuss what's out there, but at least we're hearing it, and time will tell if it translates. Yeah, well, you know, the talent profile for the guys you just mentioned is, is pretty high up there, right? I mean, Gravon Dexter is expected to be a first-round draft pick by the time he's done at Florida. That's his profile coming in. Wingo and, and Hopper are both expected to be second or third round, right? So top-tier draft picks who are going to be major players in the NFL. That's sort of what their their talent profile coming out of high school suggests. And I would say that at linebacker and defensive tackle, those are probably areas that are easier to evaluate at the high school level. Not mm-hmm. necessarily because you're going up against guys. You know, you may end up going against guys who are inferior, but when you look at a linebacker, you can tell whether he can go side to side, right? You can tell whether he whether he has instincts and can get the ball and can hit. It's a little bit different than you get one look at a quarterback who's got a cannon for an arm, he has a good game, and you go, okay, that guy's a star, and then you find out later that his accuracy is – leave some things to be desired or a wide receiver who's able maybe to, to beat a corner who doesn't have as much speed. And, and then when he finally plays against the top tier corner starts to get shut down. I think linebacker is probably one of those areas where it's probably pretty obvious that those guys are, those guys are good, at least at the high school level. So Wingo and Hopper have that profile. Now, obviously they didn't get on the field much last year, but again, when you think about the way Mullen has operated in the past, he has defaulted towards more experience and then you think about what happened last year with with no fall, with no spring practice and a limited fall practice, getting ready for a ten game SEC schedule, and you say, okay, I, I I can understand why those guys maybe weren't ready to play. Um, no excuses this year, right? They need to be ready to play for two reasons. One is, you know, what happens if Ventral Miller gets injured? It's going to have to be one of those guys who steps in. But the other reason is, is that these are the guys that you rely on to build your program. Like these are the guys, the top 100 guys, are the guys who make it to the NFL, they're the guys who pop in the col- in college on film, they're the guys who really bring you championships over the long haul. And and both Wingo and Hopper fit that fit that mode. So it certainly is good to hear that they're flashing in in practice. But the um, the big thing 
things I want to hear is that they're keeping their gap discipline, that they're in the right spot. They're where they're supposed to be. Those are the things like the talent will carry you a significant portion of the way, but, uh, but you know, you get out of position and that's when you get gashed for a big run against Alabama. So those will sort of be the things I think, you know, they're going to, they aren't just going to have to make the big play. They're going to have to make the normal play in order to get Grantham and Mullen to trust them to get on the field. And so hopefully that's what we start hearing is, is that these guys aren't just making big plays and get going all over the place, that they're in the right spot at the right time, that they're staying in their gaps and that they're being effective in the things that are sort of non-glamorous, right? You, you get a three-yard run where the linebacker holds up the pulling guard and everybody goes, oh, okay, it's a three-yard play. But if that linebacker had gotten mauled by the pulling guard, it's a 20-yard play. And those are the sorts of things that you don't see until the guy gets mauled. So so those are the things that I think um, you're not going to see in spring practice. But as the season really starts, that's what you want to look for when those guys are on the field is are they in their gaps and are they able to hold – are they able to get off blocks and, and make the tackles when they when they have to? Well, I think they just have to keep bringing it up till I guess we don't hear his name brought up, but – Two freshman early enrollee, Desmond Watson. <laughs> I mean, it's just his name just keeps being brought up. And you like early on when you know the first week of practice and his name is brought up, it's like, okay, he's a big body. Uh, they may find a way to work that in, but I wouldn't necessarily expect a whole lot of his freshman year. But as we kept saying, you you can't teach that size and that athleticism at that size. And he just keeps uh, putting his name in there. And look, you know, all all word coming out was he he flashed. You can definitely tell this is college and not high school because having maybe some trouble lasting a while in this situation when you're going you know up against guys that are I won't say more your size because he is a massive human being and I'm not sure there's too many people out there but more skill level you know a higher skill level going against and he maybe you know he'll flash flash and you know he has to take some time off so you know that's where after spring practice he'll get to some more strength and conditioning and be able to to last longer out there on the field but well we, we can't go a practice we can't go the first scrimmage without Desmond Watts's name being 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 brought up and look he goes out there between the end of spring stays healthy gets some healthy you know get some better strength and conditioning he may have a bigger role than I, I was pegging him out just a couple of weeks ago with his name being brought up yeah, well, you know, I mean, Florida defensive tackle, there's a reason they brought in two transfers. <laughs> and the reason they brought in two transfers, they didn't have a whole lot of depth there. And um, Watson, Watson is a different player than Gavron Dexter, right? Dexter yeah. is a guy who's who's disruptive, a guy who's going to beat you off the ball at the snap, a guy who's going to be able to get around you and then hopefully power through you at the defensive tackle position as well. Watson is designed to stop the run. Right. He's the guy who's designed to take on the double team to free up Dexter to have one on ones, to free up Zach Carter, to free up Brenton Cox to have one on ones on the outside. And if he can do that, then he's going to be a valuable part of the defense. Now, you bring up some great points about conditioning. One of the nice parts about that is that he's going to have this longer extended time before fall to, to, to get himself into playing shape. I mean, he's going to need to because granted he's from Florida, but at the same time, it's hot in the swamp in <laughs> September. It's really hot and and you need to be in, in good condition to do that. But you know, 24 7 is comparing him to Terrence Cody. I think that's sort of what everybody thinks right off the bat. And, and Cody was obviously a big part of those Alabama defenses when Saban was sort of making that first run, um, you know, overtaking Urban Meyer and really starting to push for the national titles that he's amassed there at Alabama. You know, I don't. You can't underestimate the power of a space eater inside in a three-four defense. Like a guy who can force a double team and can generate some push up the middle allows the defensive ends to really pull pin their ears back. Because if the quarterback steps up or tries to, he he just can't. There's nowhere to go, right? And so I think I think Watson can play a role. I think Watson can probably be a valuable contributor. I think that's probably what you're looking for. Like yeah. you're not looking for him to be like a dominant inside presence where you're like, oh my goodness, he's got seven sacks or you know seven tackles for loss and just completely stops the run game. But I think you know. But I in, do know in SEC games, is it third and one? He better be in there. Yeah, well, in situ- <laughs> you know, even less than that in situations where it's second and six, right? Where the where the defense has the option of either running or passing to have a guy in there where you don't have to blitz to try to stop the run, where you have the freedom to fall into a zone, where you can play sort of the matchup, the match quarters that Grantham likes playing sometimes, where you know he likes bringing pressure from different places. One of the things that you get caught though is if you bring pressure and you don't have people dropping into coverage, then then all of a sudden there are holes in the in the zones and. And good quarterbacks have been able to exploit that. But part of that is they haven't been able to get pressure with their front four. 
So if you have Watson occupying two offensive linemen, allowing the rest of the guys to sort of eat, then, you know, he's not necessarily going to get the pub for that. But I think he should because the reality is, is that if he's allowing Brenton Cox to go one-on-one on the outside, Cox is going to have a lot easier time than he did last year when, you know, I thought Tadaro Slayton played pretty well. I thought Kyrie mm-hmm. Campbell, Campbell played pretty well. But at no point did I look at those guys and go, those are game-changing defensive tackles. I mean, I looked at them and I said, they're decent SEC tackles who might have an opportunity to play on Sundays. You know, you look at Watson and you say, okay, if he can, if he can drop the weight, if he can get in shape – and he can be one of those guys who eats space on first and second down. He's a guy who could be an NFL draft pick and a pretty high one too if he ends up really being able to hold his own inside. That's been the thing I think that has been the maybe the the surprising thing when you see some of the video is how quick he is off the ball. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just a matter of he's eating up space. It's a matter of he's beating the offensive lineman to the punch. He already has a leverage point when he gets there. And then he's big enough that it doesn't matter what the offensive lineman does at that point. You get the offensive lineman a little bit off kilter, and he's gonna he's gonna push his way into the backfield. And and that's something Florida has not had in a really long time. I'm thinking maybe like Sharif Floyd is the last oh, yeah. time I think somebody who was really right, big yeah. on the inside who could who could do that. Very very different players, but you know the capacity to you know Dominique Easley reminds me more of Gravon Dexter. Right. Yep. And and Desmond Watson has the opportunity to potentially remind us of Sharif Floyd. But again, I mean, Floyd the last tackle I think I remember having Florida who anywhere near Johnson Bullard maybe. Yeah, but even Bullard and, and he still moved around a little bit. I mean Bullard <laughs> uh, you start thinking about the defensive tackles Florida's had and Bullard and uh you know, all, all those guys sort of remind me of of Dexter. Dexter, yeah. much, much more than they remind me of Terrence Cody. You know, anyway, we, we have, well, I was going, I was about to bring it up. You brought up Terrence Cody, and I, for some reason, you know, I I didn't put that comparison all, all too much. Uh, Connor Rogera, uh, Saturday Down South had a real nice article on um, on Watson that he uh, released for Saturday Down South today. And they brought up the Terrence Cody uh, comparison. So, uh, Will, good on you there for identifying that one pretty early. And hopefully, yeah, well, hopefully it turns out that way. Well, you know, Cody was a was a JUCO transfer, but he was a yep. three-star. So really sort of in the same range. And I'm sure one of the reasons why that that he was just a three-star is that there were concerns about his weight and concerns about his ability to, to participate on an SEC field on a regular basis. But, you know, it, it's sort of – we talked a little bit last week about – about three down linebackers and even three down offensive linemen, you're not asking for Watson to be a three down defensive lineman. You you want Zach Carter to sort of slide on the inside and have um, and have Bogle and Cox on the outside rushing the passer when you get third and twelve. Like that's not when you want Watson on the field. When you want Watson on the field is first and ten, and you want it to be second and twelve. And you know I can't remember. <laughs> Many times last year where where there was a running play against Florida on a first down that turned into second and 12. It was a really rare occurrence. Didn't happen very often. You know, three, four years ago, it happened all the time, right? The defenses were always in or the offenses were always behind the chains, always in second and 12, second and 13. Makes it a lot easier for your defense at that point. Um you know, especially, you know, the defensive backs played off so much last year. You don't have to do that if you're if you're in second and 12, second and 13, right from the jump. And so Watson will have an opportunity to maybe give him that ability. But again, you know, I don't think you want to rely on true freshmen. I think we were, um, we were the star rating of Gravon Dexter made me think he was going to be more of an impact player last year than he was. Um, I thought he was good. I I didn't think he was, he was trans, you know, transformational. I think he has the opportunity to do that this year. And so I think we need to give Watson the same sort of the same sort of grace, right? That we can get excited about what we see on film. We can get excited about what's happening in spring practice. Um, you know, we can get excited about what could be in the future. But I would still say that you know the expectation for a guy like that should be year two, year three to really start contributing. So 2022, 2023 is when I think you sh- expect to see peak Watson out there really impacting the opposing offenses. Next year, maybe we get a sneak peek, but I don't think it's going to be something where you know where we're talking about him for postseason awards or anything like that by the end of year one. Yeah, those New Kirk, Shelton, those guys will get a lot of play uh, as transfers in their one season uh, as Gators. And like I said, Watson sprinkled in there, short yardage plays, 
uh, situations that you mentioned too, Will, uh, to put his uh, to put his big body out there and go make some plays. Donovan McMillan's another name I brought up, of course, a young uh, true, uh, true freshman out there, early enrollee. Uh, was uh, Mullen was asked about him today uh, as well. And Mullen said, "Very smart player, coach's son, does the little things well." And I think that's what we want to hear for a DB, especially back there in that secondary at safety. Do the little things well. I think would take you a long way uh, in in, in uh, setting the base uh, for uh, a good spring and hopefully a contributor at some point in the season. But as I said, Trey Dean, Rashad Torrance, start back there at safety uh, in this first scrimmage. So let's reverse, go back to the offense, Will. Big news, of course. Run game without Demarcus Bowman. Missed last couple practices. Missed the uh, scrimmage as well. A minor knee injury. Nothing really to be concerned about, but holding him out precautionary reasons uh, right now. You know, explosive, explosive has been so far early on in spring practice, uh, but minor knee injury as it goes right now. Uh, I mentioned earlier they didn't have much help from the offensive line running between the tackles, the running backs, but are making things happen in space here. Uh, Lorenzo Lingard, 90-yard touchdown run late in the scrimmage. Pierce had a 40-yard run. Other backs did some nice things in space as well. Of course, not really much of a timeline. You know, Lorenzo Lingard, his 90-yard touchdown run came late. Don't know if it was against the first-team defense, second-team defense, third-team defense. Doesn't really matter for me right now, Will, because you know, for something I harped on last season was the the the, the run game and lack of explosive runs. This was the welcome note. For now, it doesn't matter to me if it was against first team, second team, third team. It didn't matter what defense they were playing against last year. They couldn't hit explosive runs. So definitely a, a welcome note. Uh, it was it was an issue no matter the defense Florida played against last season. So hopefully this is a sign, a little bit of improvement in that area. Yeah, well, hopefully it's a sign that the offense is progressing as opposed to one where the linebackers were all out of their gaps and the safeties yeah. missed some tackles, right? I mean, that's the thing you don't know. So, you know, it's is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? Nobody knows. That's, that's part of the fun of it all. But, you know, so the Bowman injury is a big deal, if for no other reason, because he's not getting reps that, yep. uh, you know, he needs because he didn't play much last year and hasn't been in Mullen's system for an extended period of time. It's good to hear that Lingard's getting some opportunities. Um, certainly last year, I think we all expected to see him play a little bit more. I think he played a little bit on the last last drive or two against Vanderbilt. And there were a couple of plays there where I thought he sort of flashed some skill or some speed, at least, that you don't necessarily see from the other running backs. The good news is, is that the running back position is pretty stocked. When you think about Damian Pierce, Malik Davis, Lingard, and then you've got and then you've got Bowman sort of as the fourth option, but potentially a starter as well, um, depending upon how well he plays. So I think they're stocked pretty well there. Um, and considering how much sort of the – how much – criticism there was for the offensive line in all of these scrimmages the fact that the running backs still looked good i think is a good indication because it means if you start getting adequate or above average blocking then the running backs are going to be able to do what you want them to do so um you know that's been a problem for florida ever since dan mullen came here i think last year towards the end of the year finally Kadarius tony was that guy that you said has the opportunity to take one to the house you know anytime he touches or at least be dangerous to get him all the way down the field you know, we kind of expected Trevon Grimes to turn to that guy. He never really did. Um, you know, Kyle Pitts was, you know, fantastic for a tight end. Um, fantastic, really, for any sort of player. But he wasn't really that guy who took the ball to the house that often. Um, he was, you know, most of his touchdowns came in the red zone. So, um, you know, somebody who can take the ball 90 yards is somebody that – and having more than one of those guys is is a big deal. The thing, The thing there that I think we need to really look for is which guys are catching it out of the backfield. Because the guys who are catching out of the backfield are the guys who are going to get the third down snaps. And, you know, if Lingard can can take a, you know, a two yard gain and make it 90 yards, that's great. But if he can't catch it out of the backfield, if he can't participate in pass protection, then he's not going to be on the field that much. So, again, those are the things you're not going to be able to pick up in the spring, but should become apparent pretty early. If, if Damian Pierce and Malik Davis are getting all the snaps when the season starts, it's probably not pure running ability that's having them do that. It's probably because of the the pass protection and then the pass catching that Mullen needs out of those guys to, to really sort of complete his offense. Yeah, kind of one more time. Tr- trouble running between the tackles, uh, mostly due to the offensive line, but we're able to make some plays in space. All the running backs made some plays in space, but the highlights, Lorenzo Lingard, 90-yard touchdown run late, Damian Pierce with a 40-yard run. Well, you mentioned it briefly early on. I think we have to point out, as in uh, kept talking about Desmond Watson and keep hearing his name brought up over and over again. 
another true freshman early enrollee. Look, this you're gonna you're gonna get that uh, in, in spring. We'll see if it translates to anything during the season. Tight end, freshman, early enrollee, Nick Elksness. And look, I, I got to give him a shout out because he's been on the show. So of course I got to I got to I got to I got to throw some love his way. Uh, being on Gators Breakdown about a year ago uh, after he committed, so I got to prop him up. But uh, would have done so anyway, just because of what he's doing out there on the field. He continues to impress early on. Two things here, Will. Florida can really use a tight end that can block and catch uh, in this shift of offense uh, right now. Perhaps Elksness is on his way to, to help out in that regard with, with Gamble and Zipperer. We saw Florida play a lot of tight ends last year, even when Kyle Pitts was on the field. You can see it again this year uh, with a more run-focused approach and some maybe two tight end sets out there in this offense uh, with this with, with this Gator offense, offensive shift. So, Perhaps what Elksness is on his way. Great to hear about another young player doing well. And Will, just kind of, as you mentioned earlier, a, a youth movement of sorts for this team. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, 6'6", 220. That's the first thing I sort of look at is this isn't a guy who's six foot three and isn't going to be able to differentiate himself down in the red zone. Um, you know, so if he's starting to flash on deep crossing routes, if he's starting to, um, you know, one of the comments I heard was that he was actually pulling away when, after he caught the ball, which was something that you didn't necessarily see from some of the other players. And so, you know, that's important, obviously. Um you're not going to be be able to replace Kyle Pitts. You weren't going to be able to replace yeah. Kyle Pitts even with Eric Gilbert. Right. And so, <laughs> and, and so, you know, there's going to be a drop off the tight end position. But within the Dan Mullen offense, tight ends are a really important part of it. And so, Keon Zipperer has been somebody who has, um, you know, who has shown a little bit of ability, especially last year. Um, but I'm not completely comfortable that the tight end position is is where exactly it needs to be. And, you know, Elksness was really one of the guys that that Brewster went out and targeted as somebody that he wanted when he came to Florida. That was one of the one of the first commits, I think, that he got mm-hmm. when, when he was at Florida. And so you sit there and say, OK, your tight end coach went out, targeted a guy specifically in Jacksonville, went and got the guy, brought him into Florida. Now, all of a sudden, he's playing well because he's he was recruited for the system and for the coach who's going to be coaching him. I think that's a good sign, at least early on again you know spring it's all lies but at the same time um you know to hear that about and and in particular because florida was so lopsided in terms of um recruiting on the defensive side of the ball in 2021 i mean if you look at the class that they've got a vast majority of the guys i think elksness and uh and marcus burke are sort of the top off and then dejon reynolds were the top offensive guys that they had in that class everybody else was pretty much a defensive player and so they're going to need some of those guys in the you know in the 300 and 400 range to step up um you know, it's curious that we're hearing a lot about the true freshmen. Um, you hope that we start hearing more about the offensive guys from the 19 and the 20 classes <laughs> as, as things move on, because I, I'm happy that Elksness is stepping up. But, you know, I want to hear about some of the guys from the last couple of classes as well. Yeah, uh, with, with with the struggles in the passing game, uh, especially early on, what we heard, not a lot of notes about the wide receivers just because the, the passing game was struggling. Uh, there, but, you know, did get some word from the tight end position. Nick Elksness continues to make uh, some early early note there in this spring practice with the very first spring scrimmage of here. So I think the next one is the 12th. So that'll be later on this week. And then the uh, finale will be the 20th. Well, well, I'm still waiting on, I know Scott Strickland said when they were announcing that it wouldn't be a traditional spring game, that it would be something on TV in there in kind of a working with the SEC network. Florida does as of now have a scrimmage scheduled the 20th maybe we get something uh, with, with that on tv that's kind of what i'm holding that hope for uh it, it, anyway but as we said we'll kind of hard to know what to take and kind of hard to know what to be happy about what to be disappointed about it's just kind of the the nature of spring right now i'll go back to it again just because of what happened in 2020 if the defense is playing well it's well, maybe the offense is going to take a further step back. No, don't don't think that way right now. Well, it, they are going to take a step back, of course. I mean, that's one of the most historic offenses Florida's ever had on the field last year. Wouldn't be discouraged if the defense is. If you're hearing good things about the defense, I, I take that and run with it right now. But I, I get the reservation from the fan base. It, it's just kind of the nature of spring spring ball right now. If the defense is doing good, you know where where are you going to point it at? Is the defense really getting better? Or is it because the offense is going through some transition? So uh, I get the questions out there. We're, we're not going to know. All we can do is kind of just share. We, we, don't, we don't get to see it, even if we got to see it. 
it's spring football. <laughs> we don't really, it's, it's so hard to take away uh, spring uh, and, and what you see in, in spring, but we can talk about what's out there right now anyway, Will. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a question of expectations that, you know, the expectations coming into 2020 were that this was Dan Mullen's year to beat Georgia to potentially win the SEC and get a shot in the playoff. And he came pretty close, right? I mean, things started to fall apart there towards the end, but, you know, at the same time, came pretty close. I mean, you know, a thrown shoe and a couple of plays against Alabama if trading doesn't fumble the ball after he gets targeted. And, you know, and you're up for the playoff and nobody's opting out, so the bowl game would have been completely different. So there's, there's a scenario where last year plays out completely different. I look at my expectations for 2021 and I say that isn't those are not my expectations. Like I don't think Florida should be favored against Georgia. I don't think Florida should be favored against Alabama. I don't know whether they should be favored against LSU. I think we'll sort of see as we as we head towards that game, but again in a normal LSU year, I think that's maybe a toss-up or a game where you know it could go either way depending upon whose quarterback is playing better. So the expectations this year should be for development are we seeing the young guys getting better throughout the years the offensive line taking a step forward are we starting to see the development of emory jones and anthony richardson um you know are we seeing young guys rotate in in the secondary especially if some of the older guys are making mistakes um you know those are all the things i think we're looking for in the fall so those are the things we should be looking for in the spring as well if your expectation is a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense i think you're probably going to be disappointed in 2021 not because Mullen's a bad coach or not because the team is is heading the wrong direction, but just because of the way the timing sort of worked. Um, you know, Mullen caught lightning in a bottle with Kyle Trask and then was able to couple that with with Kyle Pitts and uh, and and Canarius Tony and have a really successful year last year. Most coaches take a dip in year three. You can argue whether eight and four is a dip for Mullen. I you know I don't really think so because you beat Georgia last year, so. You know, are we going to have a little bit of a dip this year as you transition to a new quarterback? Maybe. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that still doesn't mean I'm not excited to see the growth pattern of the team. Um, and, and hopefully that's what most people take out of this is that, again, when a guy makes a mistake in the spring, it's not the end of the world. He's supposed to make mistakes in the spring. That's the whole point of it, right, is make mm-hmm. them in the spring so you don't make them in the fall. Because we saw what happened last year when you don't have a spring. All of a sudden, <laughs> some, you know, especially the first couple of games, you're making mistakes that you would have made in the spring. But instead, it's against Old Miss or it's against Texas A&M. It's costing you a game then your confidence sort of goes downhill and you can't stop anybody. So, um, well, yeah, we, I mean, we, we can use pre, we can just use these last couple of weeks as an example. Two weeks ago, the defense can't tackle. They're out of position. And now we get to the first scrimmage <laughs> and, and it's the defense being lauded. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and it's, it's not as though week to week, and during a normal football right. season, you don't see ebbs and flows in terms of the way the defense or the offense plays, right? Like one day, one week, the offense will come out and be great. And the next week, they'll come out and they'll be kind of pedestrian, even in a normal year. So to think that that wouldn't adjust scrimmage to scrimmage or to think that and, – and this is something that you know I hadn't really thought about till now. But you think maybe Mullen is calling some plays knowing that he needs to get his defense some confidence? Yeah. Right, so you get the, you get them out there in the scrimmage, and you say the last thing I really want is is everybody on Twitter going, "Oh, defense can't stop anybody." Grantham, yeah, he's a great coach there, Coach Mullen. Thanks for saying that during the press conference. You know, I mean, so in some capacity, the reports out of the scrimmage can also be designed to sort of. Um, feed the narrative and the confidence because you gotta you gotta think that those defensive guys didn't exactly walk around campus with their heads held high last year and you really want them to get to start doing that because you need them to be confident i mean one of the most one of the most critical things for a corner to have is amnesia and none of the corners last year had any amnesia except maybe Kyrie elam everybody else was always thinking about something you know they were thinking about the last play as they were getting beat on this one and they're gonna have to start developing that so i'm um, hopefully this is an opportunity to do that. And, and you know, I will be critical of Mullen when it comes to recruiting. I don't necessarily think that the transfer portal is the right way to build the program. Certainly there have been some reports recently about why some of those recruits have gone to Georgia and Alabama. It's mostly rumors <laughs> at this point. But, you know, I think we all sort of assume that there's probably some truth that lies in there. And, uh, you know, it is what it is, right, in terms of, in terms of the recruiting. But I, I'll tell you, from an on-field perspective, other than the timeout fiasco in the SEC championship game, I, I feel like Mullen has done an excellent job in his entire time at Florida. So from a um, 
from a coaching them up standpoint with a full spring and a full fall, I, I think I think we can be pretty comfortable. We're going to get the best we can out of the guys who are out there. It's just a question of are those guys good enough when you come up against Alabama and Georgia and LSU? And up until this point, they have not been good enough for all three of those games. Um, and and we'll see whether they can do it in 2021. Hope springs eternal. There we go. So we'll, but, but best way I can put it right now. After the uh, after the first scrimmage, and uh, we'll get into the rest of spring practice uh, all throughout here too. So, Will, what you got coming up? Read reaction this week, man. I have no idea. Oliver, no is, idea. Taking, Oliver is taking so much time. I had <laughs> I had I had expected to have like three articles out in the last two weeks, and I'm just going to bed. So, um, <laughs> so I do not blame you. Uh, so I'm I'm doing my best. You know, you figure you've already had three kids. The fourth one is probably going to be easy. Like you know what you're doing, and and nah, he's actually a really good baby. But it's still it's uh, it's time you're- consuming. So. You're older now too, so <laughs> well, that, that too. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate that. But uh, yes, I'm I'm old. Just time time passes. I mean, it's, it's what what'd you say? Six years in between? Yeah, I'm I'm old, decrepit. I'm out of practice, <laughs> and uh, you know, and I'm busy. I'm busy on Twitter reading all about the spring practices. So yes, uh, yes. Now, so I I am still planning do, on having something. I enjoy about our late Friday. I enjoy our late Friday night, Saturday night Twitter DMs. <laughs> yeah, well, all all that means is I'm old and I'm not going out, right? And and most people use COVID as an excuse for not going out, but for me, it's because if I have more than one beer, I'm going to fall asleep on a speaker at a club. So uh, you know, it is what it is these days. But uh, now there will be something about Emory Jones the next week. Um, you know, looking at some of the things he does well, some of the things I think he doesn't necessarily do well, um, and th- and that's the next thing I'm working on. I'm ready for uh, after spring. You know, we'll get through spring, talk all through what's going on spring practice. But I, I, I'm, I'm going to go do some stuff on some run game, run game stuff. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and look at. You know, I don't remember watching enough of Mississippi State. Um, it's certainly not his time at Florida, but the chances, and if Demarcus Bowman comes back healthier, um, the chances of a work hurt. Workhorse running back, and what does history say uh, about that from Mullen? So that's going to be my big research project when 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 spring gets over with is uh, diving into to Mullen's running backs and seeing see what going from there. I think it's going to be very interesting this year with that part of it. So yeah, that'll be cool. We've we've got some uh, there. There were some things that came out right when he came to Florida where people were looking at some of the formational stuff that they do mm-hmm. or that they did in the running game with Nick Fitzgerald. Um, it'd probably be interesting to go back and unearth some of that too, because not just having the workhorse running back, but the formational stuff. He did a lot of weird stuff where his wide receivers were split out really, really wide to force the defense to make decisions pre-snap that, um, you know, that I haven't seen most other guys in college replicate, which is interesting, you know, that they, now it does sort of declare what you're doing, but at the same time, it means your quarterback just has one read. It's you throw it if the linebacker does X, you run it if the linebacker does Y, you're reading the defensive end. Um, if he crashes, you you take you pull it out. If he doesn't crash, you hand it to the running back. So it's simple, but the formation makes it obvious, and, and Mullen's really good at doing that sort of stuff. Awesome, awesome. So, yeah, we'll get through spring, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll dive deep into some other stuff like we always do here on Gators Breakdown. That'll do it for this episode. You can find Will on Twitter at WillMilesSEC and his site readandreaction.com. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>